Welcome to Crossroad International Church, where it's all about Jesus. If you are in Kuwait and looking for a church to call home, we would love the opportunity to welcome you at one of our Friday services. Now, here is this week's message. With the Father, with the Son, and the Spirit, they are with one accord. They have perfect communion with one another. Is that enough for God? Is that satisfying? Well, um, I don't know the answer to that directly, and maybe we shouldn't worry about it too much. But the Bible says that God created us for a couple reasons, and we've already been singing about that for the past 25 minutes, to glorify him and to worship him in praise and to honor him. That's why we're here. Well, if we get technical, we read in the book of Genesis, which we're going to go to really briefly here in a minute, uh, he created us to take care of the garden. Well, sure, and to take care of his creation. Absolutely. Creation does what also for God? Brings honor and glory to him, right? And someone, according to him, needed to take care of it. So man was created for that specific purpose. Um, The first scripture is going to be Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. So Isaiah declares that. Um, The next scripture we're going to go to is a little long. I will read that one from my... And um, we're using the New American Standard Bible this morning, so I apologize if that's not your familiar Bible that you're using, um, but that's, that's what we're going to be using. So the second one is going to be First Chronicles 16, verse 27 through verse 30. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord... O families of the peoples, ascribe the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. Array, that's like a whole group. Worship God in many different ways. And there's so many other Bible passages that we're not going to get into where we'd be here for two hours. The, the, the third one um, is worth reading. It's coming from Psalm 115, verse 1. And it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness and because of your truth. Now, before I go a little bit further, um, those previous two scriptures should ring a little bit of a bell to us if we know the Lord's Prayer, right? And we'll, we'll get into the Lord's Prayer a little bit later. Uh, but with this particular one, um, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you. Not my will, but thine will, right? That's, that's, that's part of the Lord's Prayer. Ascribing glory to him, worship and tremble. Now, before we go too much further, I want to go back again 
sorry, going back and forth. So we're going to go back to creation. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. And we already talked about the purpose, why God created us. Okay. Uh, so we have that. Um, but what was communion like with God before the fall? Well, if we go to Genesis 2, verse 19 to 20, it reads, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast from the field and every bird from the sky and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. Okay, stop. So here's Adam hanging out in the garden, sitting down, assumingly, and God is bringing creatures to him in order for him to name them. Mm -hmm. So, um, and whatever the man called the living creature, it was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds, sky, to every beast, field, but for Adam, there was not a helper suitable for him. So then that gets into the creation of, of Eve to be the helper. Now, I bring that up because we establishes two things. Number one, before the fall, holy God the Father is right there in the presence of Adam. So God, or excuse me, Adam has direct physical communion with God the Father, right? Because he's without sin. And being made in his image, in their image, in the image of the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, when man was created, they have that spiritual, Adam has that spiritual connection with God plus the physical connection with God. And I know that might seem mundane, but you'll, you'll see here in a minute where I'm going with that. So um, communion is in spirit and physical communion before the fall. Now, deception pops in through Satan and they become deceived and that changes everything. So the communion or the communication that Adam has with his, the pinnacle of his creation, which is us, is now changed forever. And in that story, if you go back and read it, after they sin, God kicks them out of the garden right after he pronounces a curse. He curses creation, he curses Satan and the snake, and then men and women, we have a curse that we experience today. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were designed not to die. Now, with the fall, everything has changed. John 4, verse 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So, in spirit. What are we talking about in spirit? We know that God is a spirit, so that's how we have to worship him, right? That's going to come through faith, which is a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. So we worship him in spirit. Now, we worship him also in truth. Where do we get the truth from? What does truth mean? His holy revealed word, which is infallible, and it's sufficient for everything for us in a broken world that we experience today. 
So after the fall, kicked out, the physical communion is no longer in existence. And we know later, if you go on and you read in the book of Exodus, you have people, some people, that go into God's presence that's unauthorized. And what happens to them? They're smited. Aaron's sons. They went into the temple. They were sinned. They didn't cleanse themselves. They had the wrong motive. They went in there for their own motive to worship God, and God struck them dead because we are a sinful people now, and our nature is sin, and God cannot be in the very presence of that. It means death for us if we, if they were to come in. So, um, uh, so the physical communion is no more, but the spiritual communion is still there. We can still talk to him in spirit, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because the image of God in us has been marred, and marred means a distortion of the actual image, which means sin, when it came into the world, it, there's a, we don't see God how we initially saw God because of sin. So we have to fine-tune and hone our ability to communicate with God through prayer, through worship, okay, bringing glory and, and honor to him. And so that's why prayer is so important. Prayer is important. But why should we pray? Why should we pray? Because it's our duty as Christians to pray, not in a legal sense, pray seven times a day, pray face in this direction, not in that legal sense. But God created us for what? Give him honor and glory. How can we give him honor and glory? We got to communicate with him. So we got to physically make an effort to pray and to communicate with God. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18 says pray without ceasing, which means... Not every step, you know, God, you know, praying, 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 praying. It means it's, it's what that means is it's a constant attitude of prayer. Not 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but every major thing that happens to you in your normal day of life. If I can use an analogy, I'm, I'm going to try to put my biblical glasses on, right? M- meaning, how does God see stuff? Because we have the capacity of right and wrong by our conscience. God has put his laws on our hearts. So we know, for example, murder is wrong. We know, for example, we not to covet anything that's not ours, stealing, so on and so forth. So we know that. But God wants us to commune with us. So um, let's go to Philippians 4, verse 6 and verse 7 talking about why we should pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So there's a couple things that we're supposed to get from this scripture, right? Be anxious for nothing. 
how many people, you don't have to raise your hand, how many people are anxious a lot? I know I am sometimes. I'm anxious. About what? Well, I just turned 50 years old, even though I look 29. Um, you know, I've been over here for 10 years. When am I going to go back home to the U.S.? When am I doing this? What about my daughter in college who just graduated? What about my kids in the Philippines? What about, what about, what about, what about? Be anxious for nothing, okay? That's not to say that we're going to have an awesome, great, no problems in life life, but we are to be anxious for nothing. Why? Because what are we putting first? We have to put God first, Jesus talks about first seek the kingdom of God, right? You seek the kingdom of God, you get aligned with his will, and that's the priority. Matthew 6, verse 5, we're still talking about why we should pray. Matthew 6, verse 25, excuse me. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor your body, as it too, what will you be put on? It is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. What's Jesus trying to tell us here? Jesus is trying to tell us to don't worry about these, these, these worldly things. And if I can back up a minute, we have... Two worlds. We got the spiritual world where God is and the heavenly host, and we have the material world. The material world is everything we see. That's down here on earth. That's everything we see. If we're seeking the kingdom first, why are we going to be worrying about how we're going to clothe ourselves and what that means here is, is not, you know, uh, the finest jewelry or the, or, or the handbags and stuff because God's going to take care of that. God will take care of our basic needs. But why are we going to worry about other things that are not of the kingdom of God? That's the point. Why are we anxious and all built up about non-kingdom things? Why are we so built up fighting bad relationships, sour relationships over material things? We should be focusing on greater things that are pleasing to God. So, um, what does prayer mean? And I stated earlier, can we bring up um, 1 Thessalonians 5? I didn't have that on my original list. Verse 16 through 18. Yeah, so rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So there's a lot to break down there. We pray without ceasing, don't be anxious, and we seek God's will. As in the Lord's Prayer, and we'll get into it, I keep teasing it like it's a, a TV show, I guess. Um, we always seek God's will first. When we seek God's will, then we have our will that would line up with his, and that would please him. Now, the second thing about praying, we already talked about why we should pray. Now, prayer as a means to bring about God's grace 
as long as God motivates or his will is lined up with his will. That's why we pray. We come together in, in, in life groups, in prayer meetings, one-on-one with a coworker, someone one-on-one, a group after church service, and we pray. Why? Um, we want to pray our petitions to God. Now, earlier, I was, I was prioritizing the kingdom of God, seek first and pray that. I wasn't excluding all material prayers. We have people, we have jobs, we have relationships that we are asking God for his blessing. We're asking for his wisdom in it, and we're asking what we should do, trying to put on those biblical goggles that we have to train ourselves in. I was just stating the priority. Seek first the kingdom of God in your daily prayer life. Then your petitions come forth. God wants to hear those too. But you know what? God knows what we're going to pray on our heart because he reads our heart before we even say it, right? So therefore, it's good to say those things, but there's something about praying the kingdom of God. For example, um, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm always angry at work. I'm very non-Christian at work. I have a short temper. I do things that, I, that I'm not supposed to do. Part of my daily prayer should be, God, forgive me for I've sinned against you. Please give me the will to love those non-believers. Please give me the will to that person that I'm working with that is so hard to get away with, so hard to work with. Give me the power to love him more or her more. So I'm praying for things of the kingdom that's going to change me and my walk with, with Christ because my goal is to become more Christ-like, right? Um, and if we study Christ, that's the model, right? He is what we're supposed to be like. That's what God had tended us when we were created in his image to act like him because we were made like them, which means the same attributes. But being in this world and be having a sinful nature, it's a big challenge. So we need help with that. And so we need to have prayer in that situation. Uh, James 5, verse 13 and 18, excuse me. <clears throat> Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He must, he should sing, he is to sing, per, sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effect of a righteous man can, a righteous prayer, excuse me, the effect, the effect prayer of the righteous man can accomplish much. Thank you. Sorry. So 
let's 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 unpack that a little bit. There there's a lot in this scripture. Um, righteous. What is righteousness? Righteousness is actually the result of becoming more Christ-like. Righteousness is to remove our sins, our bad behaviors, and to act more like Christ. So our goal, and it says man, but it, it means humanity, the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So what James is saying here is that if we cleanse ourselves, if we come to God in earnest prayer, we beg for forgiveness, we ask for his will, his guidance in our life, it sounds like that our prayers are going to be more effective as if we are running around in sin, right? So that's what this scripture here in James is talking about, meaning God has his ear attuned to someone who is righteous or trying to be righteous. When I'm talking about righteousness, I'm not talking about perfection and accomplishment. I'm talking everybody in here, me being the biggest one, is that we've got to be as righteous as we can and throw off our bad attitudes that we have and ask for God's grace and his mercy in our daily lives so we can become more Christ-like. So without further ado, the best model on a way to praise the Lord's Prayer. So in Matthew 6, verses 7 through 14, we're going to go there. I'm going to start at verse, uh, verse 7. This is Christ talking to the disciples. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions or repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Um, when you study the New Testament and you get familiar with the pagan cultures and the things that they did, um, Christ is referring to this, just re repetition, 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 thinking that God's going to hear them greater because of the amount of words. Verse 8, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before he asks him. Okay, well, like we said earlier, Father knows the heart. He knows what we need. Verse 9, pray then this way. Now, this intention here, you can pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, that's one of the first things that I learned growing up is the Lord's Prayer. I had that memorized. But this is a model on how we should pray, which is a way. Pray then this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you have three items in there that are going towards what? The kingdom of God first. First, we are to honor and glorify his name who is in heaven. That's the word hallowed. I probably never used the word hallowed in any other form other than here when I'm reading it, hallowed. But that's to bring honor, to pay homage. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, that's what Jesus came down to proclaim. The kingdom of God is coming. 
the kingdom of God, that is the story of redemption that we lost back in the garden through Adam and Eve, starting way back in Genesis 3. The kingdom of God is coming. Your will be done. Not our will, but his will. This is a huge stumbling block, I know for me personally in the past, and maybe for other Christians as well. How do you differentiate differentiate between our will and God's will? It's hey, it's not that easy. And and I, you know, like to talk to someone that says, Oh, it's very easy, you know, we can do it. Well, when we're stuck in down here in this world and we have a sinful nature and um we have all these relationships and these battles at work and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, what that guy at my work needs is A, B, and C. Knowing that he's not maybe saved and knowing that I'm coming at him from a, a biblical solution, right? Is that my will or is that God's will? Better be very, very sure because it might not be the time to witness to that individual at that time. But if I led in my will, I could cause conflict. I could provide a stumbling block for him because I'm coming in here with my mighty evangelistic uh, uh, Christian t-shirt on. Hey, I'm here to save you. And these are all the things that you need to do for salvation, right? Well, that's, if you come at people like that, I'm not saying anyone is doing that, but trying to articulate our will versus God's will. You could have great intention on presenting the gospel to an individual, but you should be in tune to the Holy Spirit that'll say, that'll tell you, not audible, but it'll tell you, don't approach him now, that's not really good, or circumstances worked out, the bus stopped and the bus broke down, I'm going to the symphony, I picked him up, and we just happened to have 15 minutes of conversation that I didn't plan on before, oh, that could be an opportunity to preach a good word to him if he's receptive. So the point is trying to differentiate our will with the Holy Spirit. It's not that easy with with God's will. But in prayer, like everything else, you can become um, better at that. And that's what God wants us to do. Next verse. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our debtors as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God here is not preaching wealth, not preaching health. He's telling you that he will provide your basic needs. Now, I know for most people, it's difficult because we live lives, we come across here, to, we, leave, we leave our countries to come over here for a job opportunity, to make money, to raise a family, and to do all those things. And those are legitimate. And those are still within the blessings of God. Those are still obviously within the blessings of God. God uses these jobs. He uses the, the, the money we make. We generate tithes. We go out and we move the kingdom in these missions that we have in India, Nepal, Iraq, and all this other stuff. That's the kingdom moving forward. But what God is saying here, I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to provide for your basics. Therefore, don't be anxious for anything. 
have that view. That's God's will. That's God's will. That you will be met. Your needs will be met according to his will. Um, and as I said before, you know, that, that, that could change. Our circumstances change. We know being over here, um, maybe this is someone's second or third country of working, especially the, the oil people. You guys go all over the planet pulling out oil of God's green earth and, and giving it to the country and, and being blessed in that. And so um, job opportunities pop up. Job opportunities pass. God closes doors, but he opens up other ones. But don't worry about it. Don't be anxious for anything. Seek him first. He will provide with the basic needs. Trust in the Lord. Another one um, is if you forgive your, um, for if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father, your Father, will not forgive you of your transgressions. Look, it's that's it, an, another hard thing for us to do, but we can do it by the power of God is forgiving people of their transgressions against us. Um, I, I'm sure that people in here, if we took a survey, because we're Christian, um, that we have been attacked, we've been treated badly, we've been discriminated against, and we are just hated, treated badly. Okay? Just remember, Christ said that they did not hate you first, they hated me. So they're attacking Christianity. And... Um, it's difficult for me to understand, but that's almost like a badge of honor being persecuted in the name of the Lord, right? Even though that's, that's a positive attribute in the New Testament, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not sure where that is. Didn't Peter receive a beating and uh, he went away because he was released from prison and he was like celebrating? Of course, he was celebrating God's, you know, glory and freedom from prison. But the man received a beating because he wouldn't stop preaching the, the word of God. And so I can't process that. But um, that's what the Bible says. So that's good. Anyway, so that is the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to do one more thing before we, 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 we turn over. So when we pray, there are so many different levels that we should consider. And it could get confusing, especially if you look up the scriptures that I've talked about or the dozens and dozens of other scriptures in the Bible that talks about prayer. It could get overwhelming. I get overwhelmed easily. You know, that's why I started this, writing this sermon about a week ago. It was going well, going well. What was I doing at three o'clock this morning? Finishing it up because I kept getting distracted. I kept I thinking of my will and not God's will. So I'm battling these things, I'm praying. Okay, he's revealing, revealing, revealing. Um, but there's a tool that I didn't create. It's an acronym called ACTS. How many people have ever heard the acronym called ACTS? Not the book of ACTS, but in reference to, to prayer. So A stands for adoration. Very good. Okay, then C stands for Confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. So we're not going to really beat this up too much, but adoration is the act of paying honor 
to God in worship and in praise. That's not a prayer request. That's honoring God in worship and in praise. And that's what we do every Friday for 30 minutes, 25 minutes, is we sing hymns to him and to each other for edification. Um, can we go to 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 2? Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. That's a great prayer for adoration when Hannah was praying to God. With confession, we're going to come back to. So let's skip over to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, Psalm 100, verse 4. Thanksgiving is the rendering of thanks for receiving favors um, or mercies from God himself. So that's different from adoration. We thank God for all things, especially all things good. It's easier to thank God when good things happen, right? When we become blessed. But somewhere in things that we might not understand that if we're receiving something like, for example, maybe I lost my job. Of course, my first fleshly instinct, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I got two kids in college. I got one just graduated. So those college debts are coming and due. Um, I got to take care of my mom because she's 82 years old. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm being anxious on those things and not give trust into God, right? So I have to give him thanks. I'm not supposed to be anxious about those things. It's, you know, but that's the first reaction. But if I lost my job, I can step back, put all that back down to wait a minute. Praise God, Lord. I have no idea what I'm going to do in three months. Praise God. I submit to you. You know more than I do. It is your will, Lord, not my will. You're going to make my needs, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. That's what I want. You know, thank you for that. And and somehow you find a way in your heart to thank him, even in a situation like that. And like I said earlier, I'm not saying that it's easy. No one up here from this pulpit will tell you that it's easy because they've been doing it for 30 years or 40 years, you know, but that is a constant challenge. We've got to throw off anxiety, cast our cares to God, and trust in him. Oh, Psalm 100 Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Galatians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So this is a deliberate action. This is a deliberate step. Um, maybe with some people, it's very easy. They wake up in the morning and they're praising God and they're giving him adoration and stuff. That's, you know, bless them, bless those people, you know. But that is a, a good attitude to have, an attitude of thanksgiving always, no matter what comes down. At supplication, Second Chronicles verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Supplication, humble and earnest prayer in worship request. Now, this is the part of Acts where we come together and we submit our, our prayer requests. These are the things that we're asking God for. God, 
I'm asking you to give me an opportunity at work to witness to people. God, I'm asking for, um, for clarity for where my daughter is going to go when she graduates high school. Please provide um, these things. God, um, my mom is in the hospital and she's nearing the end of her life. Please pray for those basic needs. You know, these are the requests. Now, um, the first thing off of my tongue when I come into a group, a life group, a Bible study group, a prayer meeting, okay, it's time for prayer requests. I always have a lot of these type of supplications, right? But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to prioritize better. At that same meeting, I want to come together and my first praise request or prayer request will be praise. I want to honor God for what he's done. I want to thank God for what he continues to do, okay? I want to repent and confess my sins so he can hear me. Then, oh, by the way, Lord, please take my mother. Please heal her. Please heal my daughter. So on, so on, and so on. I'm not saying to have your, excuse the term, I'm reading books, and, and have your grocery list of prayer requests. We all have those. God wants to hear those. We've read scriptures where he wants those to be heard. All I'm saying is we just would like to prioritize Let's pray also in addition to God's will, God's kingdom, our walk in, 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 um, in Christ's likeness so we can be more like him. Enable me, right? Um, equip me, equip your saints to walk rightly, proclaiming your word. I want to go back to confession. I want to save this one for last for a purpose. Because I believe, I think this could be a stumbling block for, for people. Confession is an open declaration to God of sin. It's the most important, I think, attribute or the most important part of the acronym ACTS. And to demonstrate this, let's go to Isaiah 59, verses 1. Three. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So are you, me, are you telling me that if I come together in the name of the Lord and I'm with believers and I don't confess my sins to him, that he uh, will not hear my prayer requests? That's what I'm being led to believe in Scripture. That's exactly it. Now, I know this is Old Testament, but when we read the Old Testament, 
we just have to take caution because the majority of the Old Testament is historical and narrative. We don't apply ourselves inside of Bible stories per se, but what we do do is that when we come across attributes of God, because God never changes, the Ten Commandments. We are, for example, in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, we are still under the Ten Commandments. God wants us to follow that. That didn't go away with when, when Christ came. In fact, Christ took those Ten Commandments and elevated some of them, right? Thou shall not murder, but I say to you, you shall not have hate in your, in, in your heart for your brother. So he increased the standard of that commandment, okay? Likewise, we're talking about sin and we're talking about God. Can God be a part of sin? We know that. The answer is no. We, God cannot be part of any sin. Therefore, this teaching in Isaiah, and it's also in Jeremiah, which I didn't write down, your iniquities have separated and made a separation between you and God, and therefore God turned his face around from you. I say this to everybody in here, whether you're, you're in the body or if you're visiting with a friend, God will not tolerate sin because he's just. And when we're Christians, sometimes we... we slack off, our alert comes down, or as Peter couldn't stay awake and praying when Christ was praying, he kept falling asleep. We've got to guard that because that is so key. If you're not confessing your sin, how do you expect God to hear you and to forgive you? And this has nothing to do with him all-knowing. We know he's all-knowing, but if someone is going to go to God full of heart, or with a heart full of sin, unrepentant sin, why is God going to give an ear to him? Why? If he's just, he will not. If he's just, he will not. I had a friend a couple weeks ago. I know this individual is not saved. We pray for the person. We talk. We try to mentor. And I ran into this person about two weeks ago. And this individual said, oh, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. I said, fine, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine. God is with me. And I, that really struck me because she's not ready. Excuse me, well, I left out the gender. There it is. She's, she's not ready to hear the truth. Sister, sorry, you're not. You need, to, you need to look through all this stuff, the things that we talked about. God is against all this stuff. Sister, God is not with you right now. You know, God is not with you. That's not how God works. And that's very difficult. So as Christians, we have to really understand that, that even today, even when we're saved, even when we're in the body, don't let your guard down. We've got to confess our sins, okay? We've got to confess our sins to attune um, to what God says. And that leads me to my, my closing The gospel message is for those people. It's actually for everybody. What, what is the gospel? As we talked about in the book of Genesis, 
on that separation of God's creation and the cursing of creation from the creator. We've become separated because of our sin. Every single person ever born on the planet will meet Jesus Christ. They will meet them. When everyone passes, they will be in front of the Lord. And there's going to be a question. Without going into it, in Matthew 7, they're going to find out, well, they already know, are you with the Lord? Have you honored him? Have you believed in him? Did God select you? Or did you use this life to implement your will, and you've ignored him all this time? It's, it's very scary. All of the things that make God just, yes, he is redeemer, he is healer, he's counselor, he's all of that, but he's also just. So if there are, if there are people who are not sure where they are at with God, I just want to tell you that right now, you're, you're in the house of God, but you're not in the body of God. The body of believers is full of people where God the Father, where Matt was talking about today, grabs the, the, the heart of an individual, draws him near into his son, Jesus. That individual seeks after Christ, follows Christ. The Holy Spirit enables him to long for him, and that's how salvation comes, right? So if you are not sure where you're at today, I want to pray for you. And when you leave here, if you don't talk to me or anyone else, that's fine. Um, when you pray, pray that the Father in heaven would reveal himself to you. Pray that he will take your heart and give you a longing for God to know Jesus Christ so you can enter into that fellowship where Christ died for your sins as well as everyone else's, but we've got to come to him. So your prayer should be crying out to God the Father to get to know him, to commune with God the Father, and to have... um, God the Father give you over to his son, Jesus, who died for your sins. And this is what we ask for. Bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning's message. I thank you for this worship, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the the people who are in here this morning. I, I, I ask you just to examine everyone's hearts, Heavenly Father. I ask you to, to move our hearts, Heavenly Father. For those of us that are in the body, Heavenly Father, I pray for edification. I pray for to be joyful in spirit, Heavenly Father, always giving honor and thanks to you, glorifying you. Give us a heart of continuing worship, Heavenly Father. We want to be able to pray without ceasing, Heavenly Father. We seek this communion with you, Heavenly Father. And we ask you just to uh, place the priorities in our hearts of you first. Heavenly Father, and then we can make our petitions be known to you. And Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for 
the other people who are in here who might not be sure, Heavenly Father, I thank you for their lives, Heavenly Father. I ask you just to be with them. I ask you to encourage them. I ask you to give them a heart longing for you, Heavenly Father, to know your truth and to know your knowledge, Heavenly Father. And it is in this name that we pray in Jesus. Amen.